I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian. Recently, Brownsville Navigation District Port Director Eddie Campirano addressed a group of site selectors from Europe about the economic impact of the Port of Brownsville and plans for the future. Here's what it sounded like. Buenas tardes, you all. And I say that so you know that you are truly, truly in deep South Texas and you're on the border. Because don't buy off when you travel the state getting back to match points. And you probably know about Houston and you know about the Port of Houston because in Texas there's a Port of Houston and everybody else. And you know about Dallas. But don't buy the tea when you go to San Antonio because I think you're going to see it with your own eyes. Let me dispel the rumor that there is no civilization south of San Antonio right now. And when you go to Austin and you hear about them claiming to be from South Texas, don't buy the bunk. And then the other thing, too, about a young infertile population is that, hey, I have 14 kids, so please come here because I need to find jobs for them. I'm teasing you, I don't. Uh, so let me talk about the Port of Brownsville. You know, we're kind of like the two bookends, the way I see it. You're going to have University of Texas at Rio Grande Valley on one side, and you have the port on the other. But there's so much more in between and on the outliers. So welcome to the Rio Grande Valley. Commissioner Judge, thank you all for coming, our elected officials. Uh, of course, we can't do it without all our elected officials, so thank you all for coming. Let's talk about the port a little bit. Set the tone for everybody. We're the only U.S. deepwater seaport directly located on the U.S.-Mexico border. We're the largest land-owning public port authority in the United States. Uh, we have a very large and growing uh, petroleum and brake bulk trade going on here at the port. Our foreign trade zone is ranked number two in the nation, continues very steady for the value of exported commodities. And we happen to be home port to the only and the, well I shouldn't say the only, but the largest domestic fabricator of offshore exploration and drilling platforms in the United States. Um, when I said about the largest loaning, land owning public port authority in the country, we own about 40,000 acres of land. We also are a public port, and by that I mean is we're not an operating port, but we do own all the waterfront facilities, but we make them available to the users. Uh, we've got 13 cargo docks, we have five liquid cargo docks. We're building a new liquid cargo dock that should be finished by mid-year, and that's really only being done to keep up with, with business. It's not being done for any specific project. Uh, our draft, the entrance to the ship channel is 44 feet as you come through the jetty. Uh, San Padre Island and let's say where SpaceX is going to be. Uh, the majority of the ship channel, it's a 17 mile long man-made channel, is 42 feet. And when you get to the, 30, to the turning basin, uh, it's approximately 36 and a half. Now we do have congressional authorization to deepen the ship channel to 52 feet. And that's a project we're working on now. In fact, we're in the, we got congressional authorization very end of Dece in December of 2016, and we're in the permitting process now to be able to secure the permit to implement the deepening of the project. Um, we have covered storage, about a million square feet located at the port. Uh, a little over 600,000 of that is port-owned. Some of it is available by some of our private tenants that are here. And we have open storage of three and a half million square feet. And we can add to that easily, whether it's responding to a project that needs outdoor laydown, or as we continue every year, we add more open storage to the port. Uh, 
We are also, you know, most ports are really multimodal facilities and we're no different. Uh, as, as Matt said, interstate connectivity. We have interstate connectivity to I-69 East, I-69 Central through I Interstate 2. And from I-69 East to the port, to our front door, is the SH-550 project. And once that project's completed, it will be badged as Interstate 169. So we do have interstate connectivity. Rail, uh, we have actually, we own our own rail service. It's called the Brownsville and Rio Grande International Railway. And it exists solely to provide port customers with rail service. But it interconnects with three class ones. Union Pacific and BNSF for northbound service, and Kansas City Southern de Mexico for southbound service. In fact, you have the only rail connected bridge east of Laredo here. Uh, it actually, the new bridge was built and opened in August of 2016. And for our purposes, from a trade perspective, about 85% of our car moves are all going south. Uh, we are also the, the beginning of the Gulf Intercoastal Waterway, which is a connection from a shallow draft like a marine highway. In fact, Texas is part of a designated marine highway, I-69, uh, and the port. It has its own designation between here and Florida. It's called Marine Highway uh, I-10 or Marine Highway Number 10. But uh, it connects us to the... Uh, Panhandle of Florida, but more importantly, it's also connection to the inland waterway at New Orleans and at Mobile. So from here, we can serve Middle America. Um, pipeline connectivity, we have direct pipeline connectivity to Mexico, whether it's to Burgos, outside of Reynosa, Caradeta, uh, into Salamanca, <coughs> to the interior of Mexico. And we move a lot of refined products, primarily gasoline and diesel through that. We also now have pipeline connectivity for natural gas from um, the major hub in the Eagle Fort, uh, and it is going down actually to Atamira in Mexico as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, we can do teleporting now for cargo from space and from the start next month, or next year I should say. Uh, a little bit of the, what we move on the steel products. Nobody moves more steel into Mexico than the Port of Brownsville. And what I'm talking about, most of it is in the form of raw material for the mills in Mexico. I'm not talking about pipes, I'm not talking about a finished product. Uh, we do a lot of steel slabs. Uh, this year, in 2018, I think our numbers will hit a record for one customer alone. We moved about 2.7 million metric tons of slab for that customer. Uh, we're looking at increased throughput over the next four years that will add almost two million more tons of that uh, by 2024. 20, uh, uh, we do a lot of other forms of steel as well. Petroleum, uh, and petroleum really refined products. In fact, that's our number one commodity, both in terms of volume as well as waterborne cargo. Uh, it's mostly uh, uh, refined petroleum products, the two biggest ones being premium gasoline and diesel. In fact, as you know, the situation in Mexico right now, uh, we are moving a lot. In fact, as you get a chance to see the port, a lot of trucks in the port can't find trucks enough to be moving primarily diesel into Mexico. Uh, on the dry bulk side, we do a lot of limestone, we do aggregate, we do cement, uh, we do uh, a lot of other materials. You know, there's a lot of commodities that we move. We really are not concentrated in just one. 
Uh, and we'll try anything twice. If we don't get it right the first time, we'll get it right the second time. Uh, on the project cargo, we're handling a lot of windmill components, and we have all of it, not just blades, but the same thing goes with the tower sections, the nacelles, the cones, everything. In fact, we've got quite a bit of commodity out on the port today uh, from the windmill uh, projects in the area. And then brake bulk, we do a lot of scrap. You know, scrap is one of those things that the Port of Brown was noted for. I'll talk about that a little bit more. We're doing sugar. Uh, we do aluminum. Uh, we do a lot of uh, uh, machinery and, and, again, like special project cargo as well. A uh, little bit, you can see, I, when I look at this, I say in the last 10 years we've more than doubled our, our cargo. And from last year, 2017 to 2018, uh, increased about a million, a million tons uh, from one year to the next. Kind of continue to see that growth. Uh, foreign trade zone number 62. Uh, it is ranked number two in the nation for the value of exported commodities. Uh, we essentially um, did about $1 billion more in 2017 than we did in 2016. Uh, we did about $3.6 billion uh, in 2017, $3.5 billion. And again, this is exported commodities. Now, as a whole, I'll give you, everybody knows about Laredo, the largest uh, a port as far as uh, trade, but it's an import port. We're an export port in that respect. And uh, we also are climbing up. We're the 18th uh, busiest uh, uh, in terms of total trade uh, in the country now for both imports and exports at about $3.6 billion. Um, just economic impact again. Uh, maritime industry is a big part of the state of Texas. In fact, uh, people don't realize, but Texas is a maritime state. Almost 20% of all maritime trade, whether it originates or it's destined to Texas, uh, we usually compete with California, one, two, one, two. Uh, and then as far as impact, about 44,000 jobs, about three billion in economic impact to the state, and you can see some of the numbers in the, in the area, uh, in terms of impacts, about $2.2 billion, and then of course uh, tax revenue for not only federal, state, this is based on 2015 metrics. We're actually updating our metrics as we speak now. That data should be available hopefully by midsummer. Uh, Keppel Amphel. So we're going to visit Keppel. Uh, this is the company that I talk about. It's the, the, it's the number one company in the United States. It's the uh, largest domestic fabricator of offshore rigs in the United States. I also describe them as the only full service yard on the Gulf Coast. I get a lot of pushback. And the reason I say they're the largest full service because this company can actually do a rig from design to delivery. It isn't a repair facility. And most recently, they've gotten into the shipbuilding business. So we've introduced a whole new industry to the state of Texas, and that's building deep draft ocean-going vessels. In September, they started constructing two container vessels, 775-footers, that are going to be part specifically focused on the Jones Act market, the U.S. domestic trade, from California to Hawaii. Uh, and what's really exciting is not only does it mean 700 new jobs for our area, but it also means that they're doing these vessels as dual fueled. In other words, Keppel is a wholly owned subsidiary of a Singapore company, Keppel. And they are exporting their LNG, proprietary LNG propulsion technology to Texas, to Brownsville, because these vessels will be able to be utilizing uh, LNG fuel for, for, net, for propulsion. And so 
Uh, we're excited about this. Ship recycling, not only do we have a reputation in the U.S. as being the premier ship recycling facility in the country, but also internationally, a lot of that came from the aircraft carrier program. Uh, the Navy is a big user of the port. Um, the Marad with the obsolete fleet is, in fact, if you think about all of the military and or domestic vessels under control of the government, 80% of them wind up at the Port of Brownsville for dismantle or recycling as we call them now. Uh, and so it is, a, uh, these companies spend a lot of money, uh, they continuously grow and it represents about 1,200 jobs here at the port. So it's a big part of what we do. Here's an example of the last aircraft carrier that came in here, the Independence. Uh, this is a fleet, the first one the Navy ever put out. It's a fleet of seven, five of them have come to the port. There's still two others that will be coming. Uh, a little bit about, uh, uh, you're right, this is a trigger. A little bit about infrastructure to the area. Um, you know, we have plenty of electrical capacity to serve large industry in the region. A lot of it is because of the 345 transmission upgrades that were done to bring capacity to the region. And of course, the Cross Valley tie that provides redundancy that connects Brownsville to McAllen. So not only do you have it coming from out of state into the region, uh, both on the west and the east, but you also have the loop that connects us to provide that redundancy that's necessary to support heavy industry. Um, Valley Crossing Pipeline, this is a pipeline project that was just completed. Uh, this is a $1.6 billion project and it is delivering uh, natural gas from Eagle Ford through the port of Brownsville, through Brownsville, uh, and then it's also connecting to a project in Mexico called Sur de Tuxpan that is coming from Altamira, Tampico, that will connect offshore at the international line. But more importantly is that this also provides us plenty of natural gas necessary to also be able to support large-scale industry. And part of the discussion there is we've got some LNG. Uh, this project will figure prominently into that project. New projects, we've got Cargo Dock 6 under construction. By the end of the day, that's really more like a $28 million investment with all the great surprises that this project has brought on to us in the form of change orders. I talked about the deepening. We have authorization to go to 52 feet. We are in the permitting process now, and this project also figures very prominently in working with our potential LNG users at the port. That's approximately a $350 million project, and so we're looking uh, right now on preparing the financing plan for that. Opportunities on the horizon, uh, again, the big ones are, there's three LNGs that are undergoing the FERC permitting process as we speak. Uh, we anticipate decisions coming down as early as the end of next quarter uh, and possibly into the third quarter of 2019. So we'll know this year uh, whether we're gonna have a LNG, we're gonna have two LNGs or possibly three. Uh, and so that will occur this year. And then we're also working on a large-scale steel, a domestic steel provider, Big River Steel. Uh, we are still working with them uh, to locate them here in this region, specifically at the Port of Brownsville. And so I think I took 11 minutes. Thank you. After the talk, the site selectors met with Keppel Amphill's management. The port visit by the site selectors was organized by the Rio South Texas Economic Council. And that's what it sounded like.